Hey folks, we're near the century line. VegCast. Back again with VegCast 99. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. And what a full menu we have for VegCast 99. Now I realized that I've made this point before, it is kind of a tagline. Full menu from first to last. This time, though, we're really uh, pulling out the stops as we prepare to celebrate VegCast 100 on our next podcast. But this time out, we are going to be talking to Nikki Benoit of Vegan Outreach about leafleting and spreading the word about uh, the plight of the animals in various venues and what can happen there uh, when the police are called. Uh, we're also going to be talking to Phil E. here in Philadelphia uh, about the Green Carpet Gala, which now seems like a distant memory, but we're going to bring it right back to you as though you were actually there, and maybe you were, and uh, would like to take a trip down memory lane with that, and if not, uh, you may uh, want to learn about this local event and uh, some of the plans of the uh, Peace Advocacy Network. The uh, music today is going to be from a man named Jonathan. He is Jonathan Mann, and it's Vegan Myths Debunked, and we have a science fact about meat and cancer and a note about calcium. So sit back, relax, and crank up your MP3 player as we deliver this 99th. Yes, it's been a while since VegCast 98. Uh, we had some plans and some uh, modifications of plans with uh, different VegCasts that I was going to do as VegCast 99 finally uh, settled on this with uh, Nikki Benoit and uh, using our interview that we did back in April with Phil E. at the Green Carpet Gala. And uh, in the time since VegCast 98, two major uh, scientific uh, reports have come out. Uh, they're not, they didn't really lend themselves to be packaged into one. Uh, so I, what, the long and the short of this is that we really, really have a lot to get to uh, this time around. So let's get right to it with our interview with Nikki Benoit of Vegan Outreach. Joining us right now by phone on VegCast is Nikki Benoit of Vegan Outreach. And uh, Nikki, thanks for joining us on VegCast. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Now, Nikki, you're working with Vegan Outreach, and uh, there is one particular event uh, a couple years ago that uh, you are kind of famous for, but we're going to get to that later. At first, I just want to talk about uh, your general day-to-day -day work and how you got arrested uh, for leafleting uh, in there at a college campus. Uh, can you let us know what was going on with that? Yes. Um it's really quite silly, but unfortunately a phenomenon experienced across our country. Um, any attempt to uh, go to a public facility or even a private facility just to peacefully distribute information, disseminate information, these are things that our country have, we've been doing these, this for ages in terms of women's suffrage, abolishing slavery, this is nothing new. So having printed materials and offering information to the public is a form of free speech that we all as Americans have. It's a, it's a birthright. So, but what the problem is, is that somewhere along the line, policymakers and authoritative figures 
aren't exposed to this enough, I don't think. So they automatically have this glorified view of their control of a campus or of a, of a piece of property, and they can dictate who's there, when, and how long, and so forth. So as a uh, leafleter for the nonprofit group Vegan Outreach, we have been doing this type of dissemination of information across the country since keeping track since 2003. There's numerous volunteers. A few of us are paid staff, but mostly volunteers, and we go to any type of event where there's a lot of what we would hope to be receptive people to the information. Um, all we're doing is showing people what happens in the industry and providing nutrition-type resources for alternatives. So when, unfortunately, you go to a college campus, per se, like many of us vegan outreach leafleters are partaking in this Adopt-a-College program, where you just go to a college campus with your literature and hand it out. If you meet new people that are interested in helping, they automatically help you, or you can help them transition to a vegetarian or a vegan diet. But when we attend a college campus, um, many colleges want you to either take your literature to an office and sign in. Uh, they want a copy of your photo ID. They want your phone number and your business. And, and some folks even try to have you pay. Some folks want you to only table and set up an information table. They don't want you approaching students. There's a whole list of different kind of arbitrary rules, it seems, that these, that these campuses set up to, quote, unquote, protect their students or keep some kind of order on their campus, it's really just a misunderstanding at the end of the day. There's many, uh, attend many college campuses where they understand, like Santa Monica College, for instance, they understand our free speech rights include disseminating free information. Uh, we're a nonprofit. We don't solicit for funds. We're not collecting information or doing anything to disrupt the education process. We don't go into classrooms while they're studying. We don't, you know, we don't stop the study process. We're just students walk past and we say, hi, information to help animals, and if they want it, they take it. Right. That's a long answer, but please, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, is there a an actual standard difference in terms of, uh, you know, the First Amendment right to free speech that occurs on a college campus as distinct from, say, a public sidewalk? Well, I don't know the exact legal speak for this. I do know that my attorney, Brian Pease, he's with the Animal Protection and Rescue League based out of San Diego. He's a phenomenal attorney and has been really making sweeping changes with free speech issues throughout Orange County specifically. And in San Diego, he's really opened eyes among the authorities about the fact that it is a constitutional right. Now, there's um, translation issues, interpretation issues, but on a federal level, you know, we have this constitutional right for free speech anywhere. You know, as far as, as long as it's public property, sometimes private property, I guess, can be great, but again, this isn't something that I would rest on my word. I would go to Brian for specifically, but from what I'm told by many, many attorneys, especially here in California, is we have very inclusive free speech rights. So people can go basically anywhere, even in private property, private campuses, private malls and stores and so forth, and disseminate information. Now, this is something that I have been told. That, again, I don't know legal speak, but this is something that we have the right to do here in California. So I was merely exercising my right, and fortunately, Brian offered, he actually coached me, him and his wife, Cass Rogers, explained to me the process of defending yourself to the authorities, and Cass demonstrated this at a private college in San Diego, showing that 
you just say, no, I'm sorry, I will not leave, I will not sign in, I will not move, I have the right to be here, um, please call the police, have them come and verify, or have them come and discuss this with me. So when it came down to it in San Diego, the police came, and they learned, yes, in fact, you have the right to leaflet here. So it's just a matter of opening people's awareness to it, rattling the cage, if you will. It's something that unfortunately has been overlooked or it's just accumulated this unnecessary layer of protection because it's, it's a right that we have. Right. Now, let me just uh, be clear. You're talking about um, tabling and leafleting. You're, you're making literature available. Is this one of the things where you, you have a big TV monitor and you're showing scenes of cruelty and dismemberment and, and stuff? Or is it, you know, what, do they have some kind of case to make that, that you know, you're uh, disturbing the peace or disturbing people or... <laughs> Or what, what actually are, is, uh, is going on when you're doing your outreach? With vegan outreach, with the adopt college program, we don't do any uh, table setup with televisions and audio and microphones and so forth. It's just literature. And anybody can go to our website, www.opposecruelty.org, and there's a catalog, and it shows you the kinds of information that we have. It's, it's non-invasive. It doesn't have, it has the real pictures because essentially we're trying to expose the truth. Sure. And it's very hard to look at, but, you know, these are the facts. So, but it's not out there in your face. You know, one of the covers has a picture of a pretty chicken with her baby chicks and they're out in the grass. And, you know, there's different kinds of literature, but basically it just, it doesn't have the most horrific images. But in terms of videos, we don't use that typically. A lot of student groups on campus or other volunteers will take the time to come and do that. But for myself and other employees of Vegan Outreach, we focus on the numbers. So we just take the literature in boxes, wheel it out to the campus, and hand out a few hundred to a few thousand in a day just to get the numbers out there. But no, so we don't interrupt the education process. We don't have the big, huge banners with the pictures, and, and, you know, and that's still a right that we have if we wanted to, but that's not how we do it. Okay. Well, and just let me ask, I mean, people want to uh, advocate and, and persuade and get messages out for uh, a wide variety of causes. Do you, uh, do you find that there is uh, something about the animal cause that, that actually you know, kind of makes people get nervous, or is it, is this just something that happens whenever anybody has some kind of dissenting opinion that they're trying to, to promulgate on campus or in a, in a, a place where uh, the police might not want them to be? You know, that's hard to say. There's some folks that do believe we are being chastised because of the animal advocacy movement not having the respect um, that other movements have. Some people feel that we have entirely too many problems to worry about animals are second-class residents on this planet and aren't necessary for all this fuss, so to speak. Um, that's just some of the views that I've heard over my short period of time as an activist. But I do think it's, in this particular case, I really think it was just a refusal to do what I was told to do. They asked me to go sign in to go to a free speech zone, which is absurd. This whole country should be a free speech zone. And I refused. I had complete confidence in my constitutional rights and my legal counsel, and I refused to do it, for, essentially to open the floodgates to release the chokehold. But no, it's, um, I, I honestly don't think overall the, the issues I've faced with this is due to a lack of respect for the cause. 
Okay. Well, let's uh, just touch on uh, one of your earlier uh, kind of claims to fame uh, back uh, when Obama was running for president. Uh, you were in the audience at one of his appearances, and uh, you, I believe, had a vegan outreach shirt on, and he called on you by uh, by pointing out that shirt. And uh, can you can you just uh, fill in the listeners who are not familiar with this anecdote? What what happened next? Yeah, so it was pretty much um, completely random. I had not anticipated any of this happening. It was a, a, a town hall meeting he was having during his election cycle in August of 2008 in St. Petersburg. I wore this shirt only because I knew the cameras would be zooming the audience, and it's a big, bold-lettered shirt. I wasn't working for vegan outreach at the time, and I wanted the word vegan out there. <laughs> so that was my that was really my agenda. Um, I, he was talking on the economy, and... He was focusing on a green energy economy, and I thought, wow, well, here you go. He's talking green. Let's bust out the United Nations 2006 report. So while he's talking, he's wrapping up saying he's going to call on questioners, boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. And so I figured, well, what the hell? See see what could happen if I threw out just a random comment about the United Nations, and lo and behold, he called on me, and he showed that he has a – a breadth of knowledge on the issue. It was very impressive. If any of your listeners haven't heard his five-minute response to the question of how we can essentially get off of animal agribusiness and into a more sustainable plant-based diet. You know, it was a very wordy question, and I was thinking it while I was asking it, so (laughs) it's a little bit kind of out there, but I really just wanted to throw facts out to the audience I didn't really care what my question turned out sounding like. I, like, I wanted to educate the audience, and it worked. And he, you know what? President Obama educated people a lot more than I did. <laughs> well, okay. But, I mean, you say that it was, it was kind of a random thing. I was wondering whether, you know, as part of the outreach you do, you, you try to get that message out in different venues, in different kinds of situations, or was this just like a one-shot thing that happened? It was like lightning striking, and, and you're not, you don't put yourself in that kind of situation ordinarily. No, you know, a job I had right out of college was with a nonprofit clean energy advocacy group, and my job was, in fact, to um, visit all of the presidential candidates while they were campaigning in the state of Florida, where I lived, and talk about clean energy and climate change issues. So I had some kind of <laughs> Um, school of hard knocks learning in terms of doing that exact thing to Mitt Romney and John Edwards and um, McCain and a few other of the uh, top runners for the 2008 election cycle. And Barack Obama, I spoke with him in Tallahassee already. So I had already kind of known how to cultivate intestinal fortitude to speak my piece in the midst of being nervous. So that was... Well, you know, we got got another presidential election coming up in a whole field of uh, Republican candidates anyway. Are you are you thinking of uh, working your way into the audience on any of those? You know, it's not going to be something I focus on, but if the moment calls for it, I most definitely would do my best to make an appearance, and I hope others are inspired to speak out as well. At the end of the day, um, we all have different concerns and, and different voices and different styles of of um, outreach, so I would hope that someone else, many others, would feel inspired to speak up on their issues, too. Right. Well, I hope they will, and uh, certainly what you've been doing is uh, is pretty inspiring, both in terms of uh, your, your fortitude in 
going in there where you plan to go and also being able to uh, be flexible and react to a circumstance to uh, kind of make the best of it and, and get a vegan message out there. So I wanted to uh, congratulate you on that. And uh, I hope that you'll be doing more of it wherever uh, it happens to come up. Well, thank you. And, and I want to congratulate everybody out there who's working to speak for those or who are exponential improvements in our world just by showing people what happens, right? I mean, the issues that we're facing with animal abuse and cruelty is only a lack of awareness. That is it. Our backs are turned, and profit is taking the, the role in terms of running these industries. So we just have to show people what's going on. And we, the animals need your voice. So I plead with every, anybody listening, please get involved in some type of outreach. If you haven't ever leafleted before, go to Vegan Outreach's website, and they have scores of leafleters all across the country, and they'll help you out. We have people in Mexico and Puerto Rico and Italy. We have people all over the place working to get the word out. And veterans, so they can help you, and they can kind of show you how it's done. And if, and if leafleting isn't for you, we really need donors. Right now we're in our summer Team Vegan fundraising initiatives where you can sponsor a leafleter, you can sponsor me, or just sign up to be a, a Team Vegan member and help raise funds. It's a very important mode of outreach. Great. All right. Well, that's uh, we're about out of time, but uh, Nikki Benoit, I wanted to thank you for uh, taking the time uh, to talk with us on VegCast. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's an honor. Hey, Ivory. Yeah, Jonathan. You're vegan, right? Yes, that's right, I am. Can I ask you some questions then? Sure, man. Of course you can. Are you ready for the questions then? What are you waiting for? Where do you get your protein? Protein, protein. Only meat has protein. So where do you get your protein? Actually, lots of things have protein. Get your calcium, only milk is calcium. Healthy bones from cow's milk, calcium, I drink it yum. Lots of plants have calcium, and lots and lots of calcium. And cholesterol, well, they have none of the fat found in milk. Calcium, no fat? Greens give me calcium? What about our ancestors? Didn't they eat meat? If I wasn't supposed to eat it, then why do I have these teeth? Do your teeth look like chickens that are living on farms now. If everyone were vegan, it wouldn't happen overnight. Demand would just decline, and so would the supply. Isn't vegan
Indian food just bland and gross? No, it's yummier than most. You care about animals more, you do. I care about animals, people too. Aren't vegan men weak and girly? I find vegan men quite sexy. B12, so they're ha-ha. B12 is for bacteria. Where do you get your protein? Plants. Where do you get calcium? Plants. Where do you get your iron? Plants. Where do you get your zinc? Plants. Where do you get your protein? Plants. Where do you get calcium? Plants. Where do you get your iron? Plants. Where do you get your zinc? Plants. The ivory. Yeah, Jonathan. I think I get it now. You do? Yeah, it's all about plants. Yep, that's pretty much it. Okay, cool. Glad we cleared it up. Me too. Let's have a snack. Okay. That's Jonathan Mann with Vegan Myths Debunked, and there is a uh, charming video that goes with that, as well as there's a whole side of uh, Jonathan's crazy, kooky, and otherwise enjoyable tunes that he is churning out. Uh, We'll have both of those links in our show notes, but right now, we must turn our attention to the science. Our science fact for VegCast 99 is red and processed meat directly linked to bowel cancer. This is a write-up from Cosmos magazine. Red and processed meat increases the risk of bowel cancer according to the most extensive ever report on the risk factors for the disease, which also pointed to the preventative quality of foods containing fiber. And parenthetically, of course... Those foods are what? Yes, listeners, they are plant foods. All animal products contain essentially zero fiber. The report, released as part of the World Cancer Research Fund American Institute for Cancer Research's Continuous Update Project, uh, examined the links between bowel cancer risk and diet, physical activity, and weight, adding 263 new papers on bowel cancer to the 749 that were analyzed as part of a 2007 report. And we talked about that one at the time. So essentially, uh, this is not exactly news to those of us who uh, have been following this, but it is a more conclusive report. Uh, let's continue Uh, Reading this write-up, the expert panel confirmed that there is convincing evidence that both types of meat, red and processed, increase bowel cancer risk, recommending that people limit their consumption to 500 grams cooked weight of red meat a week and avoid, or to put it another way, not eat at all processed meat. Eating an extra 100 grams per day of red meat increased bowel cancer risk by 17%, according to the results. And uh, a little bit of perspective from uh, the uh, one of the heads of the study group. Many people feel confused about cancer prevention because it can seem like a new study is published every week that suggests a new substance either causes or prevents cancer, said Teresa Nightingale, general manager of WCRF. But the CUP, the Continuous Update Project, takes the latest scientific findings and adds them to the existing body of evidence in a way that ensures our advice takes the latest research into account. This means people can be confident that our recommendations are up to date as well as having the most evidence-based information on cancer prevention available anywhere in the world. This report confirms that bowel cancer is one of the most preventable types of cancer and we estimate 
that about 43% of bowel cancer cases in the UK and likely in the US as well could be prevented through these sorts of changes. That is about 17,000 cases every year. That's 17,000 over there in England, of course. Uh, it would be more if you added the Americans who could actually survive if they would avoid red and processed meat. And uh, I won't belabor this too much, just pointing out that this is more conclusive evidence than we have previously had before, that generally speaking, eating meat uh, increases your risk for cancer. And I would like to point out again that these processed meats, that there is no way to eat any without raising your risk for cancer, are still being served to America's public school children. Yes, we have children go to school, we have mandatory public schooling, and we have them having to eat uh, substances which we know give them cancer. I think that it's time to overhaul that program, and uh, it seems like the evidence now is pretty conclusive to the point that our government might actually want to look into that and do something about it. Uh, but perhaps they are waiting until yet more conclusive evidence comes in on the next Science Fact. The Peace Advocacy Network is a Philadelphia-based group to whom we have talked before, but on April 2nd, they held their Green Carpet Gala, which we're going to learn about now by chatting with uh, one of the principals in this organization, Phil E. Let's go right to that now. All right, we are now talking with Phil E. from Philly, campaign director of Peace Advocacy Network at the Green Carpet Gala as it is going on now and uh, PAN members and their friends are tearing up the dance floor, but we whisked Phil away just for this quick uh, check-in on how the Green Carpet Gala is going. So, Phil, I want your just uh, 25 words or less. <laughs> it was really impressive to see this many people coming out, supporting the cause, and really propelling our efforts throughout the year with their donations. Right, and we're at the Warwick Hotel. Uh, it, there was a dinner, there's desserts, there's dancing, there is kind of a slideshow video, you had some speakers. Uh, I, do you want to encapsulate the event better than that for people or just let people know what, I mean, it's a fundraiser for PAN, so uh, it seems to be generating a lot of, generating a lot of goodwill and uh, uh, hopefully some buzz out there as well. Um, so I'm, I'm answering all my own questions. You tell me how it's all going. I think, well, as, as it's been explained to me, having a fundraiser type like this, uh, Gallo, it, it says that your organization is kind of a lot, but you are on the map. And we're not just a ragtag group of individuals who go out and protest and pass out leaflets and try to change minds. We are committed. We are an all-volunteer organization. We have nine board members who work our collective tails off to get things done. And okay, and we should uh, be sure to mention for VegCast listeners that uh, have not heard our previous coverage of Japan, I mean, you've uh, done a lot of work on the horse-drawn carriages. Uh, there have been uh, some ringling protests. There have been uh, some 
uh, protested Whole Foods where that was that pan. Or was it, I, yes. I want to mix up my various uh, uh, flavors of, of Philadelphia activism. We call it our humane choices, yeah. um, our humane food choices outreach. We get people who are going into Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. Uh, there's a lot of people going there because they want to make compassionate choices, choices that are good for the earth and choices that are good for the animals. But Whole Foods has done a really good job of telling people that it's okay to eat animals as long as they're treated in a certain way. And we tell people that there is no humane treatment of animals that allows you to consume them, that allows you to be in prison. And we've had a really great response. We've had people go vegan on the spot because they just never connected for them. Right. And so it's almost like a low-hanging fruit. We get people who already have the mindset but just don't have the knowledge. Okay. Well then, uh, now that you've picked the low-hanging fruit, what's next on the agenda for fans? Our big goal is the, we do a vegan pledge every year. And we really want to expand it. Um, we've done Philadelphia, Phoenixville, and Baltimore this year. Not just change their life, but to get involved in changing their lives. Right? And it's also, it's a fun life, a vegan life, as you can hear. Oh, yes. People just laughing and having a terrific time. <laughs> dropping bottles of things. There's <laughs> a lot going on over there. But anyway, a fundraiser without alcohol, I guess. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, Phil, uh, that we're just checking in with you. I'll let you get back because you're uh, like, all, everything here to make this happen. I'm the one that moves the heavy stuff. Okay, yes, Phil E., the one that moves the heavy stuff, campaign director for Peace Advocacy Network, along with a host of sound effects and uh, intrusive sounds from the uh, high-volume, high-fun uh, green carpet gala. I have to apologize for that uh, sound technician uh, aspect. I was not able to bring Phil's voice out to the point that I had thought I was going to be able to, and you would think that after uh, 99 podcasts, I would actually have mastered that uh, technique of being able to hold the uh, MP3 recorder close enough to the subject's mouth to get uh, completely intelligible audio. I hesitated to put this in, but uh, there was important stuff that uh, Phil was saying about this uh, in between all of the sound effects, so I'm hoping that people got some of that. But if not, go to uh, Pan's website, which will be in our show notes, and you can learn everything that you need to know there. But uh, we're about to get out of here, but before we do, I just wanted to point out something about a report that we're going to follow up on doubtlessly later on on VegCast, but uh, it just came out as we were going to press uh, that increasing calcium does not look like a significant factor in uh, stopping osteoporosis, which is the entire basis of why our government is supposedly pushing milk on school children and even adults as well. Uh, I mean, I can see in a strange warped reality where you think milk is good for a growing body. You might try to uh, say, well, obviously adults shouldn't drink milk, but uh, maybe children, especially because lactose intolerance increases as humans uh, get into adulthood. But 
uh, even if that were your supposition, we're, they're just pushing milk on everybody with those uh, Got Milk advertisements. I'm hoping that we're going to see uh, a major retraction campaign from the National Dairy Council with people perhaps posing uh, with, I don't know, a hand towel that they're wiping a mustache off their face while dumping out a glass of cow's milk or whatever the uh, way of conveying that message is going to be. But uh, I'm not really confident that that's, that's going to happen, especially as uh, reports are now leaking out also about the new paradigm for the USDA's nutrition advice, which is a, essentially a pie chart in the fanciful form of a plate with different uh, kinds of food on it, uh, kind of going back toward the four food groups model um, with uh, the dairy, of course, not able to be rationalized even before the <laughs> calcium thing as something that you absolutely needed on the plate. So uh, they, they've made sure to uh, shoehorn it in there in the form of a little uh, side dish. This is uh, from unconfirmed reports as of yet, but uh, I'm putting that in now because we're not going to be coming right back with the 100th. We're still preparing the 100th episode of VegCast. But that is coming up, so I encourage you to subscribe. And for now, we are going to get out of here on VegCast 99. All right, I want to thank my guests, Nikki Benoit of Vegan Outreach and Phil E. of Peace Advocacy Network for playing along with this attempt to get a vegan message out to the public. And I also want to thank Jonathan Mann for giving us permission to play Vegan Myths Debunked. And also, of course, I want to thank you for subscribing if possible or downloading VegCast or anything you do if you enjoy VegCast and want to uh, get a shout out on VegCast 100 send an audio file or an email or whatever to VanceVegCast.com and until that point of VegCast 100 get out there and live like you mean it VegCast